Welcome to the Rick Roberts School of Laughs podcast, where we aim to make you bigger, better, and more bookable. From the aspiring comedian to the part-time pro, this is the podcast for you. We'll talk all things comedy from the page to the stage, and now it's showtime. Hello and welcome back to the School of Last Podcast. I'm Rick Roberts. I've been at this for 23 years and sitting across from me is somebody who's done it for less than 23 weeks. <laughs> it's Gavin Miller. How's it How going, are, Gavin? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, so what have you been doing? You've been super busy. Uh, what, what have you been doing? This has been a crazy summer. I've had a lot of fun gigs. Uh, last week, I did kind of a split week in a sense. For two days, I spent four hours each evening walking around the fairgrounds as Barney Fife in uniform. <laughs> Hey, we'll get into that no. in a whole nother episode yeah. for sure. But one of the things I stumbled into a long time ago is I could do this Barney Fife impression. And a company, Wendy's International up in Columbus, Ohio, asked me to right. get the clothes and come in and hang out with Dave Thomas at one of his birthday parties. <laughs> okay. And wow. so so I did and thought that'd be kind of a one-off thing. But the last thing Dave Thomas told me that night was, young man, there's a thing out there now called websites. Get one and let people know you can do this. And let people give you money. It seems like such a strange thing to do. I mean, but how did you... You said you stumbled into it. How did you actually stumble into that? I mean... Well, when I was in Columbus, Ohio, when I first started back in the early 90s, I was part of an improv comedy group. Right. And we did all kinds of sketches on stage. And one of them, you had to be a celebrity. Gotcha. It was an old game show sketch. Right. They said, can you do any any kind of impressions? And I'd done a tiny bit of, of Barney Fife in my stand-up at that time. And I said, well, if we got some kind of hat that I can put on, I'll do a little Barney Five. Right. And so the very first night I came out there, I'm like, well, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> Are we doing all right out there tonight? Yeah. And they went crazy. And then it, and one of the guys from Wendy saw that show and oh, said, could okay. you get the clothes God, and come okay. out and do this thing for Dave? And that was obviously a while back. That's so cool. And so in the summer, which is typically my slow time, sometimes these fairs will contact me and say, hey, can you walk around the fairgrounds can for four this? or five hours as Barney Five? Hey. So I get paid to go to the fair, and it's actually pretty good money. Yeah. Uh, it's a little weird because I have to be a self-starter. You know, on stage, somebody introduces you and everybody's watching. When you're right. a roaming character, you're just walking around the fairgrounds and interacting with people one-on-one. Saying hi and, yeah, yeah taking and, pictures, that kind of thing. And believe it or not, I'm not very, I'm pretty shy. I'm not that <laughs> outgoing. So it helps draw yeah, me out of that. I was going to say, most comics are sort of introvert. The only extroverted thing they do is the com- comedy. And yeah. so that's, that's, a, that's a big step out there. Oh, I mean, I'm the guy. I don't even talk to the housekeeper in the hallway. Like, I'll yeah, just slide her a note. Can I get more towels? I'm, if, it, if, <laughs> if it were me, um, the whole world would have the rule that everybody just looks down at the ground and we don't look at anybody in the eye. Same <laughs> like, here. Elevators, uh, all of it. I just, we, you just walk down, your head on the ground. When you pass them, you can look up again. But then just, I that's th- my rule. I think our whole world should be a self-checkout line yeah. so you never have to interact oh, with anybody amen amen but on the other side of that it's a fun thing to do yeah. and uh i always joke with people they're like how'd you get into this and i said well my wife wanted to marry a george clooney impersonator <laughs> but you know she <laughs> got what she got <laughs> didn't work out yeah so the, one podcast down the road we're going to talk about things you can do not just on stage but off stage to keep your dream alive you know right. doing those gigs allows me to continue to do stand-up sure. and actually make some contacts and sometimes yeah. do stand-ups at the same event so anyway that's what I've been up to, and I also That's did cool. a, a, a an event for 700 lunch ladies down in San Antonio, Texas. Nice. And that was fun. And I got to bump into one of our listeners, Bob, down there, Bob Moore, and he hooked me up. sounds crazy. That, just go back a little bit, because when you say 700 lunch ladies, 700. That sounds, it sounds funny in a certain way, because uh, it's, it's like lunch ladies, but... 
<laughs> but in a certain point, it's 700 people. Yeah. yeah. I well, mean, that's like a lot of people, you know? It's a lot of uh, canned corn is yeah, what's going is on lot. right there. <laughs> a lot of hair a lot nets, of corn. a lot of plastic gloves. That's great. That's a crazy amount of people. It is. But, you know, they, uh, it's a big auditorium, a yeah. nice high school auditorium. So it was fun. And Were I got they the wearing bu- the outfits? No. 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 This is pre, this is like their kickoff. <laughs> this is <laughs> right. when they're, before Welcome I came out. to lunch ladying. <laughs> before I came out, they were talking about, listen, if you drink on your own time, that's your own deal, oh. but not in the school. Wow, you know, that wow. kind of stuff, making sure they, gotcha. they're all gotcha. on the same page. Gotcha. But I get to bump into one of our listeners who gave us a lot of questions for the last episode. Oh, really? Wow, sweet. Uh, Bob down there. So, Bob, if you're listening again, thank you for that, and thank you for the pound of coffee and the coffee mug you yes. bought me. That was excellent. That's awesome. And uh, I appreciate all those great questions. Well, today we've got uh, a good handful of questions coming in. I really love these questions. It gets me thinking, and it actually teaches me a few things. And today we're going to talk about introductions, uh, what you wear on stage, what you do in your resume and bio, and how to keep that honest. And should you take more classes and get funnier, or is stage time the only way to go about it? Right. Uh, and these are all questions that have come in. Our first question here is from Raymond Moledo, and he asked us, how does your appearance your outfit, your clothes, et cetera, affect the audience perception of you hmm. in relation to your material? And wow. I, I love that question because that's a good one. enough comics, not enough comics think about what they look like. Yeah, that's really true. I've seen them around here. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of reasons that comics dress down. And one is a lot of times we're lazy. Right. Two, we got off work. We ran over to do the open mic. We're not a full timer at this yet. Yeah. Um, three, it's all about the material. It's not about the way I look, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Get back, man. I don't yeah. want the man keeping me down. But at some point, you need to look sharper than you probably do. So I'm going to give you a few tips. Okay. And interrupt me at any point and ask me to get deeper into it. But it's one thing I've always heard and I believe and I teach is always dress at least one step above what your crowd is dressed as. Okay. So if you're in front of a crowd that's all jeans and T-shirts, just you know, not new jeans and a nice-looking shirt that's maybe been ironed right. is all you need to go. Okay. Uh, maybe light business casual, some khakis and something. But you want to be comfortable in your own skin. Right. So if all your material is about hanging out on the farm and driving tractors, you're probably not going to wear a suit, right? Suit, yeah. But you want to look as sharp as that person would look so that your material is not only coherent with your look, but the crowd isn't set back by your look thinking yeah. this guy can't be a farmer he's wearing a tux well you know. right well and like you go see uh like larry the cable guy and stuff like that and though he may have no sleeves on his shirt he's not wearing it doesn't look like he actually got off of a tractor and is dirty you know like he looks put together and he looks you know professional it's a nice flannel shirt with ripped off sleeves it is i mean yeah <laughs> you know if he kept the sleeves that would have been one step above his audience it's, yeah <laughs> but you know he got so big that he actually had his clothing line in different stores and now yeah. the people that come to see him are wearing larry the cable guy flannels exactly. right exactly but does it suit his character perfectly perfectly and i know he's done some more serious things where he needed to be in a tux and I, yeah i believe he had the, the sleeves ripped off the tux yeah. for a couple of <laughs> yeah. things which that's a great way to stay in character but when you're first starting you want your your clothes just to be simple, plain, and not busy. Right. That's another thing. Sometimes people think you got to wear the T-shirt that has you know Simony Sam on it or whatever, right. or some kind of funny thing on your. Just get up there and try to have your clothes be neutral and let people focus on you. Now, there's, I thought that there's always exceptions, right? Sure. There's very few to that. The one I could really think of off the top of my head uh, was Carrot Top, but he had bright orange hair. I was gonna say, uh, yeah. He wore jams basically on stage or whatever you yeah. call those pants, you know, weightlifter pants, and 
tank tops or what have you. But yeah. the, he was a kind of a character of a per, he was. That's more on one end of the spectrum. That's as yeah. far as I could think of yeah. on that end. So, you know, when I was when I first started back in the nineties, the uniform of comedy has changed over the years. Yeah. If you look back at the old eighties headshots, when you hit a comedy club now. Uh, all the guys had on either suspenders or mm-hmm. one of those narrow ties that maybe had a piano yes. on it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> one of those deals. Yes. That was very popular for a while. And then it kind of evolved to the uh, no tie, but you wore the the suit jacket with the sleeves sure. rolled up. Sure. And then it kind of got a little bit casual. of Miami Vice in there, you know, right. with the. And then you see guys, even Seinfeld now, usually wears a, a pair of bright sneakers. Yeah, with, with nice jeans and a jacket yep. or whatever. So he's comfortable the way he is with his material, and I think it works for what he's got. And I think on. he ha- he cultivated a look, and it's a standard. And you would almost be shocked if you weren't wearing that. You you, you know, it's his look almost. Yeah, you and, know. And I've seen a few. You know, obviously uh, riding around in cars with comics. His his yeah, video oh, gosh, series, which so is good. great, so good. Um, a lot of comics he picks up the same kind of deal. They're, they're nicely dressed, but they got those crazy shoes, and it's almost like a clown shoe kind of like connection back to comedy. Yeah, yes. Like I, yeah. I almost want to ask him, is that conscious? Because everything else looks right, and you look down at your shoes, like okay, this guy's relaxed. Right, he's got yeah. a goofy thing about him. Yeah. So I do think the key thing is though is, is keep your appearance sharp, clean. Another thing I recommend if you're actually working at a club, maybe not hitting the open mic, but you're actually the MC for a club week right. or feature or what have you. Guys, and I'm just going to speak to the guys here because ladies are pretty well put together. Yeah. But guys, the shirt you're going to wear on stage at night, don't wear it in the car on the way over there or in, on the 200-mile road trip Wrinkles to the show. Hang it up. Iron it. There's people a thing called know, an iron. People don't know what to do with their lives, and you see it on stage when they have those wrinkles and stuff. They don't think through things, and then they, they look slovenly. Right. And I would like that word slovenly in <laughs> more podcasts. But <laughs> I haven't heard that since I watched that movie Seven I, Deadly Sins. <laughs> I know that's what I was I was thinking, but yeah, that's I see that all the time, and it's like, good lord, did you actually roll out of bed? The problem is your character doesn't look like the character you're thinking you're portraying doesn't hasn't rolled out of bed, but you look that way, right? And people use the term "fake it till you make it." I mean, if you aspire yeah. to be on TV and aspire to be on these late night shows or in a sitcom or have your own theater show, dress nice. You know, and I don't like that term, fake it till you make it. No, but I will tell you this much from the sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of an assistant in the sort of entertainment industry, and um, the people in the entertainment industry don't have a lot of imagination in seeing you in a part. And so if you can present them with a really good image of what you would like to portray they are it's so much easier for them to put you in a spot to go you know what that guy could do this little acting part or he could do a commercial or he could do whatever but if you look a certain way uh, you know poorly and you're thinking that they're gonna see you and go oh man maybe he could do a commercial or something that's not gonna happen (laughs) no and i think you got to really think ahead and think about the gigs you want to get you know nobody's going to look at you on stage and go this guy could host the fundraiser for you know 2500 bucks three thousand bucks but not the way he looks. It would, so yep. you would never even enter into their mind, even though you might be a great and personable yeah, on stage. Totally. You don't look like you're put together and yep. professional. So definitely want to kind of, I mean, it's a great question, Raymond. I'm glad you brought that up. The, the only other thing I would add to it, and this is just a, a technical thing for people, mm-hmm. is that um, is that if you're being filmed or videoed, try not to wear things with uh, tight stripes, like very narrow stripes 
or um, checkers, checkers, anything with like lines on it, because it will not come out correctly in the final video. So if you're you know doing a showcase or something, you're like, oh, I'm gonna film this and I'm gonna wear my best shirt, and it's it's like a you know one of the flannel style shirts or or got a lot of stripes in it. Don't pick something else. Pick something that's got a solid color or just I mean. That you just really want to go with solid neutral colors because that stuff doesn't pick the other stuff doesn't pick up on the camera real well. So That's that right. your best foot forward is going to be solid colors that that kind of thing. And on top of that, you reminded me of something that I meant to say at the very beginning. And this yeah. is this is something I've learned over the years. And you you guys are out there. I know some of you guys are gigging already, and some of you are working towards it. But when you go to a gig, bring two maybe three shirts with you. Bring a light shirt and a dark shirt yep. because if you get in front of a, a black backdrop and you're wearing yes. black, you disappear. Yep. And you're a brighter a shirt, head. a light blue shirt is going to make you pop. Yeah. People be it'll be easy for them to focus on you. And if you're recording, it's going to bring the level of the recording up yeah. because the recording's not trying to to separate the backdrop from your shirt. Right. It's easy if your shirt's brighter than the backdrop start yeah. and vice versa. And always bring a a dress down shirt in case you get to the gig and you realize, oh, yeah. You know, I, I rode up on some biker clubs and stuff back when I was doing <laughs> stuff. That I remember one down in Florida. I mean, it was out in the Everglades. Right. I mean, alligator attacks in the news yeah. everywhere down there. And I rode up to the place, and I, I dressed fairly sharp. And I got there, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bring it down two mm-hmm. notches, and I'll still be one notch ahead of where everybody yep. is at. And it, it probably, I wouldn't say it saved my show, but it, it, it was more identifiable well, with the crowd. it relaxes you, too, because you're not thinking about it. You're yeah. not, you know. And I'm not a suit guy. I'll, I'll throw this out here, and then we'll move on. Uh, I've done some cruises where they say you, you must wear a suit must, on okay. the main stage on, the, on your big show night. And I say, what do you mean by that? When, a sports coat, pants, all that stuff. So I went, I live here in Nashville, so I got one of those shiny suits. Oh, no. And so I walk out and I just I wear the jacket. As soon as I get to the microphone, I take the jacket off and hang it on the mic stand. Right. And I wore it on stage. Yeah. But I was going to feel really weird wearing that my entire yeah. act. Oh, I totally. But I didn't mind yeah. being silly, you know, yep. and, and wearing the shiny suit. And it's, <laughs> what cracked me up is I got so many compliments on that shiny suit. And just it was done as there. a joke. They're like, yeah. man, that's, where'd you get that, man? Where'd you get that suit? Did you get that in Nashville, man? That is a nice suit. It's shiny. <laughs> And I was, you know, it's like, I, well, I was trying Nashville, to give me one of those suits. Trying to be silly there. Good Lord. Uh, so, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Mr. Moledo. And uh, I appreciate you listening to the podcast and, and getting to me with that. So great question. Another one that comes in kind of just after that, and this comes from Dina O'Hara, is what do you use in your bio, in your resume? Right. She has been on both sides of it where she's been a buyer and she now does some comedy and when she was when you're a, saying buyer, clarify okay, sh- what that is. Uh, worked at it in a corporate environment and hired comedians, or worked at a church and hired okay. comedians to come in. And sometimes, just because you shared the stage with somebody, right? She's wondering, should you just leave that off of your resume or bio, or are people playing that up more than it should be? Yeah. So, for example, if I did a show, say I did a show at my church, yeah, and I happened to, to land somebody that was a big name, sure, and I put on my resume, I worked with this guy. But maybe I was the MC and I didn't even get paid for the show. Right. And the only reason I was on stage is because I booked a person. Yeah. When somebody looks at that resume, do they say, oh, this this person was brought around ta- the whole nation by the headliner and was yeah. the opening act? Or do they read through it? And so I've got a couple of different answers on this. Yeah. One is always err on the side of being honest. Mm-hmm. And you can put on the resume, uh, has appeared with in one section. And then has worked for or worked with. And I right. think the word appear means you were there and work means you earned some money. Yeah. That's one way you can do it. The other thing is you got to realize when you first start 
really nobody is looking at your resume or bio and believing any of it because yeah. there's been so much lies and stuff in the right. past. Because the person standing in front of them is shaking. Right, you right, know? right. <laughs> so there's really no reason to go overboard. But here's yeah. what I think. If you're going to put together a resume and a bio, what you should do beyond everything else is use that opportunity to showcase your writing, mm-hmm. your, your cleverness, and your wit, and maybe be a little self-deprecating at the same time. Right. I see some great websites from some pretty well-known comics, and they'll put a lot of self-deprecating stuff yeah, on Yeah, I've read a few of those, and it, and it sort of has a little bit of life story-ish heading mm-hmm. into their comedy thing, and it's always good, you know. Yeah, uh, funniest guy like, in the world, according to his mom, you know. Right, And yeah. then maybe one real quote mixed in from somebody until you build those up. Right. But it's it's a great place, and I've read some really hilarious bios and resumes and stuff. So if you don't have anything to say yet, be funny, be creative, yeah. and, and use that as as a, an advantage to yourself when you start trying to get work with other people. And I, I think also, like, remember that your bio is everywhere now. You know, it's it's on your Facebook page. It's on what you know your YouTube channel. It's all on those things. So. Is it on your Pinterest? <laughs> it's not on. The, would you like, God, Gavin? Would you take cow. a picture of your yeah. bio and put it on a Pinterest? <laughs> is it Pinterest or pine God, pine tree? I don't know what that I thing hate is. That thing, man, it drives me insane. But yeah, it's if it's out there, it could be copied and yes. floating around. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing that I would advise: if you're going to list somebody on your resume as having worked with or appeared with. Run it by him. Is this cool if I put you on here? Yeah, he may hate you. Yeah, because you know you're looking at that resume, and maybe you think that's a reference for you. And a reference isn't a reference unless you've cleared it with somebody first. Yeah. And I've had people that take my class and ask me if I can be a reference for them, and I will. And I'll say this is exactly what I'll say if somebody calls. Right. Do you still want to list me? Yeah. And so I'll be honest. I'm like, you know, this this guy's been doing it for two weeks. Yeah. Or this guy's really ahead of his time. Or I'm, this person took the class five years ago. Whatever. But I'm going to be honest if I'm used as a reference. But clear it with me yeah to make sure that you know my name and reputation stays the way it is right and anybody you work for the same thing i think you'll find that the, it's usually flattering when somebody asks sure. you to yeah. do that and it's uh it's just it's just a professional way to do it yeah uh, overall though don't oversell yourself uh, look competent look professional but be honest now how, how the i guess uh maybe a good way to do that would be to have have a decent resume good you know presented well all those things and then maybe refer them to uh, a video clip or say you know you know what here this speaks for itself you know this is who i am if you have any questions you know i'll talk it over with you is that kind of what you would do or i would advise definitely doing that i would advise having your resume if you want to call it that or your or even in the bottom of your bio right a link that they can click if you're sending it electronically or they can copy and paste or what have you right but send them to your absolute best video and in that video, in the intro to it, have somebody edit a little bit and maybe put those things in, has appeared with, has worked with. Right. Have that on a black screen while you hear the intro in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, please put it together for so-and-so, Gavin Miller. Yeah, right. And then when you hit the stage, all those things that are keyed up drop off. Your video comes live. Yeah. And as people are applauding for you as you exit the stage, maybe have a couple more things. You know, your website right. float Coming on there. Up, yeah. Your telephone number, those kinds of things. So use that video uh, to its fullest potential, and, and we're gonna do another whole podcast on video. Yeah, yeah, we should because I've, I've seen some. Re- I mean, I've, my that is what my actual degree is in is in film, and I've seen some really terrible ones that people don't understand the difference between a video of them doing stand up and a promo video. Right, that is one of the biggest things. 
I, I, if it's a promo video, I don't want to watch you doing seven minutes, ten minutes of comedy just straight with nothing, no information or nothing. You know, it needs to be bam, bam, snappy. You know, yeah, highlight reel is one thing. Yeah, a, a set, and you're gonna need all those kinds of things. And we'll definitely dedicate a whole episode yeah, yeah, yeah. to that because it's it's a huge. Yeah, it's massive. People search video more than anything else right yeah. now. Yeah. Um. So that, hope that helps you out, Dina. And also, she asked about contest. What do I think about them? Do you think that they're good? Do you think they're necessary? She's had overall good experiences with it. They're all over the place. Here's her, her specific question. Now, she's had one particular bit or a set that she's done, and in one contest, the judges loved it. Right. And in a separate one, they picked it apart and thought that she hadn't thought past the punchline enough and that it, it maybe had innuendo or it meant something else that she didn't ever even think of. Yeah. And she goes, if you're new, how do you process that? You've heard good and bad on the exact same joke. Yeah. Uh, and she gave me the example here of the joke she told. She said, in this joke, she goes, cowgirls scare me. They all carry. They know how to castrate a steer. And that's why cowboys are so polite. And that's a simple joke. And one judge loved it. One judge hated it because the second judge thought that when she said castrate steer, she meant castrating males. Oh. And here's what I'd say to that, Dina. Your joke is funny. Right. That judge was overthinking it and probably putting themselves in the joke to where they yeah. thought that you were saying something that you didn't even mean to. Right. So when it comes to any kind of feedback, whether it's from judges, uh, fellow comedians, any of that kind of stuff, people you're working with, you know, listen to it. You know where you're coming from. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. If they do make a legitimate point, and, I, and I've gotten feedback many times where I didn't even realize I was doing a joke about something. Right. And people are reading into it. I mean, I'll give this example out. For years, I sold a T-shirt based on a story that happened to me in junior high. Yeah. Or actually, it was high school, where... We had this thing called a leaf collection, uh-huh. and I accidentally put a marijuana leaf in the collection. That was it was on the farm. Right, it was an old hemp farm, but I yeah. didn't know. Yeah, and so when I got to school, the teacher, you know, was like, sure. you know, I'm going to burn this in front of your face. I'm like, yay! Half hour later, we're both in the cafeteria yeah. looking for rice krispie treats. <laughs> but to me, the whole joke was not about right. smoking pot at all. It was about an innocent mistake that I made. A boy not understanding what's going. Right, yeah. and so I had done that joke forever, and it always got a big reaction. And somebody finally, they were going to hire me for a corporate event, and then they decided to go with somebody else. And I asked oh. him, what made you pick them over me just so I know going forward? And they're like, you're up there promoting pot use. And I'm like, not at all. I, I, not at all. But this is a, it was a life lesson because even yes. though it's a harmless joke, it's a clean joke. It is. I was coming from an innocent place. Are you on, okay nowadays? I mean, after that big disappointment. <laughs> I mean, <that's> a, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Yeah. How many gigs, and I play, you know, my goal always had been to ele- elevate to the corporate level of comedy right. yeah. just so I could sustain my, my life with yes. my family, okay? Yeah. It's not everybody's choice. I understand that. But how many gigs did I miss out on because I was doing that joke? Because somebody just happened to think. Yeah. And the person, the booker doesn't necessarily have, they're not a comedian too, so they're not going like, oh, it's a really clever joke about a, a boy's uh, innocence. Exactly. You know, understanding, you know, the difference between leaves and, you know, they they don't understand that they're just looking at oh god oh lord they're looking drugs. at surface yeah, material uh, yeah okay you know and so I made a conscious choice to to work that joke out of my act yeah and really from that point on I got a lot more corporate work there's like, that was yeah. like the one little hiccup or question mark that people weren't even telling me that's crazy so I'm glad she told me that had she not it had probably taken me a little bit longer to get my corporate yeah. thing going and that that joke is obviously okay for some crowds and not for others yeah and which show goes to show you. And I find this out, Lord have mercy, in marriage, good God. You can be right, and you can just, you can ruin your whole, I'm right all the time. 
but I have to change, regardless of whether I'm right or wrong or whatever. But you can be right and still need to change. Like your joke was right, but you still needed to change it to get more gigs. Oh yeah, you I know? mean, you got you got to <laughs> lose the battle, win the war. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to lose a lot of battles, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I've lost him for 14 I'm years. The, I'm in the civil war of. Oh god. Oh lord. Hey, but at least the war rages on. I'm right? getting there. That's cool. So I think that's a great question, and and just realize it's all subjective. I think she even yeah. mentioned that it's a little subjective. You're the one that knows about the joke, and you know that your intention behind it. So, yeah. but it is good to get some feedback like that. Yeah, you know, and that leads to her last question here: is she's always pursuing this? She's always looking for new classes to take, new skills, new information, and she talks to other comedians. They're like, "All you really need is more stage time." All right. She's saying, "What do you think?" And I think. Stage time is the only way you're going to get past some things. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to excel in a stressful situation or a difficult venue until you've been in that situation several times. Right. So there is no doubt that stage present, you know, time on stage will erase a lot of problems down the road, and you have to have that. That being said, if you're not doing the right things on stage, or you're not telling jokes the best that you can, or you haven't written them as well as they should have been, it doesn't matter how many times you get on stage. I'm sure everybody listening has gone to open mics where they saw the same guy or girl six years ago telling the same two or three minutes without changing any of it. Yeah. So in that case, does stage time make a difference? Not at all. They've wasted three years because they didn't adjust and change. Yeah, and and there's some things that, um, you know, like I learned uh, in the classes, you know, with you, uh, one of the huge things was uh, just a simple, simple thing that a, a lot of people who are super funny don't know sometimes why they're funny. They don't know the technical reasons behind it. And uh, one of the things I remember uh, from the class was putting the last, you know, punchy sort of word of your punchline as the last word in that sentence, you know, and having just so that everything leads up to that final word and bam, that's when the joke hits, you know. And that was something that you may be funny, but if you don't know why or, or you don't know those techniques, like, Sometimes you need the class to teach you that, you know, and that's kind of what I learned, you know, oh, this is funny. That's funny. This is funny. But wow, this is a way to make that really funny. And here's the technique that I learned in the class to make that really funny. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. I always relate it to, you know, basketball players. There's a million guys that can go crazy on yeah. a basketball court out behind the school or whatever. But can they can they work in a team situation? Right. Or do they know exactly what they're doing? I mean, they've got crazy skills, but are they technically sound? Yeah. Do they have the fundamentals? Can they last an hour? Yeah. You know, maybe not. They're just good at slam dunking on guys that are smaller than them. Yeah, right. So you know, if you look around, voice, I mean, Celine Dion still has a vocal coach. Yeah. People that have sung or played instruments, they still get trained. They still right. find yeah. new techniques. Yeah. Drummers are constantly looking for new um, techniques and improvising new oh things man. in their sets. Yes. Tiger Woods. Gets a new wife. No, I don't know. Maybe you will or maybe not. Uh, he'll get, he'll he get a new... He needs a class. That is for sure. <laughs> he needs that class. But he, yeah. he'll go out and change his golf swing instructor, as many pro golfers do. And these are professionals that are making yeah. millions of dollars. And sure, they've got some money to spend on classes and courses yep. and training. But it tells you that to be extremely good and to mm-hmm. be excellent, you need to go beyond what you're normally yeah, doing. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, some people don't learn in a classroom setting. The only way they're going to pick it up is on stage, perhaps. But I still I, I don't always think. well. Let, let's look at last comic standing for a second. Yeah. Okay. This this just it just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Throughout the finals, all the people in that final group of eight or ten, 
they got training from uh, Jay Leno. They got tips from yep. Jeffrey Ross, Roseanne, Keenan Ivory Wayans, Russell Peters, Wanda Sykes, Howie Mandel, Amy Schumer, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres, all these people. Yeah. Did they say no to that advice because I've made it this far in life? No. They wanted to hear right. how, And you, could, you saw noticeable differences in some of yeah. those people's performances. They got to the jokes quicker or they were more animated. Yep. They changed throughout that course and that's what extra classes or coaching can get for you it helps so much so you know obviously i'm a big proponent of it because i teach it but i also take as many classes as i can yeah to figure out what i'm not doing right and what i can do better yeah so i think if it's available to you and you're comfortable doing it definitely get out there and take check what it you out can. i mean gosh but here's the other thing too you can't always be putting stuff in your brain and nothing coming out yeah for example if uh please don't use me <laughs> well, Gavin, no. let's get right to it. No, I'm just kidding. You can sit here and listen to these podcasts yeah. back to back to back to back yep. and not change anything you're doing in comedy. Absolutely. And this doesn't help you at all. Yeah. I could go, and I do go to different uh, business things throughout the year, uh, National Speakers Association I've talked about before, and they'll talk about marketing. Mm-hmm. I could sit there and take classes all day, but ha- usually halfway through those classes, I get on my laptop or my tablet and I start doing something right there so yeah. I can get used to it and put it into to use. So. Input is great, but practice is the best. Yeah. So input and then get on the stage and get your test, stage time. And test it. And test yeah. it out. And I think that plays to, to both sides of your question there. Yeah. And to wrap up today, the last question yeah. is about introductions. What do you put in your intro and what's the most important credits to have? These were some questions that came in over the past few weeks. So intro, just define that for us for when people the MC that don't is, know. Sure. When the MC is bringing you on stage... You should give them a couple things to say, because if now you, here's here's a per, personal example from mine. Like when I did the the graduation class uh, from the performance class with you, uh, you know, you told us uh, don't all rush into the green room and wait to go on stage, but just one or you one at a time. And then while we were standing in there, you turned to me and said, "What do you want me to say?" And I said, "Pan." I panicked for one. I had nothing. I had nothing prepared. Even though we had prepared stuff even, in the performance class. In the moment, I couldn't you didn't think. Bring it. I, I, did, Gavin, I failed. You, you I failed that you. Assignment. I failed you. <laughs> but but I, I panicked. I said, just say what I, you're good. Just do whatever you need to do. You know, and I know you know what you're doing. And I know you have our best interests, you know, in mind. You don't want us to fail or you don't want to go up there and say something horrible. But I, if I had had my wits about me, maybe I could have. Uh, giving you something that would like intro my joke or you know the first joke or something I mean but that's what you did you know and that's I think a standard thing is like asking hey what what do you want me to say what do you want me to say to bring you up onto stage right that's the intro and let me tell you why it's important to give somebody something to say if you if I'll I'll just give you the worst example yeah Um, I've I've been around forever and people said a lot of things about me but this one caught me off guard right (laughs) so I was in Lansing Michigan back in the late 90s working at a, a comedy club there whose tables they had cut up from the the alleys on a bowling alley oh, and made tables out of them and, and so as connections you guys know that club maybe some of you out there listening everything's sliding off of the sides yeah <laughs> yeah it was just one of those places and uh, MC I'd known before and I'd worked with several times and he came in the green room and said what do you want me to say about you before you go on I said yeah just whatever you think right now I was thinking he'd probably dial up something that I told him before one of the com- you know the sure. standards in the comedy club you know worst clubs across the country blah blah right so I'm in the green room, and then I hear my name, Rick Roberts, and I come out, and there's like awkward applause, and then there's people staring at me, and I go into my first couple of jokes, no reaction, Nothing. couple more oh. minutes, no, five, six minutes in, I'm like, what did he tell you guys? Right. We don't like you, dude. I'm like, why don't you like me? You got AIDS. Oh. What? 
the MC said you got AIDS and you oh got about a week to live. Gosh. And I'm like, first off, <laughs> first do I? off, do I? <laughs> and secondly, is this by law? Does he have to tell me this? No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I learned my lesson there, right? Gosh. If I had just said Ted, bring me up with the heard him on this channel and yeah. seen him on that show. Then if he'd said that, I'd have had a, a legitimate beef with him. Yeah, you've heard him on XM, ladies and gentlemen, Rick Roberts. Right. But because I said whatever you want to say, he did what I told him to yeah. do. So that's the worst case scenario. I don't think it's going to happen in a lot of situations. <laughs> and it only happened to me once. But give somebody no more than two sentences. Uh, when, if you have a lot of credits, your most recent two. If you have no credits, yeah. keep it simple. Be honest with the crowd. You can use the introduction to, to set up your first joke. Yeah. Would you write it down for them, like on a card, and then hand them that? Or is that kind of... You know, there's got to be an etiquette to it a little bit, I guess. There is. I say err on the side of looking professional and, uh-huh. and jot it down. Okay. Uh, at, you know, I do these corporate events. They're great at messing up the introduction. Oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll type it out. I'll print it out, and I'll have it on a half sheet of paper, all big letters, three sentences. And I'll, yeah. I'll have them read it to me before I go on and say, do any of those words trip you up or you know what they yeah. mean? And that's the way I get the best possible introduction that I can. So all those things, you know, an introduction can also kind of tip off the crowd at how long you've been doing this. Yeah. So if you've only been doing it for three or four weeks, you can put that in your introduction. This person's brand new. That's to basically what you put in my introduction. This person has done one other like open mic night. Right. Here he is. So you if, know. if you do well at all, you surprise the crowd. Yeah. And it's just sort of what happened, you know? I think. And it's not sandbagging you to say that. It's just like no. Here's the expectations. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And it also it but it really helps because I think you know if you have a lot of credits, then it it lets the audience they can sort of take a deep breath like oh gosh okay we're fine because it can. The audience can get a little tense if all of a sudden there's something new. They get tense for you a little bit, you know. And right. So, and the other key thing about your introduction, especially in a night like an open mic night where there's twelve or twenty or thirty yeah. comics going on, they hear the, either the same introduction, yep, or just bring out the ladies next, and gentlemen. Here, here's a real funny guy, right? You know, something that will tell the crowd that you're a little bit different might make him perk up and listen to your first yeah. couple of jokes. So, use the introduction to your advantage, and I think you'll be in good shape. Yeah. I think that's all the time we've got today. It's <laughs> <That's> a lot. <laughs> you know, it is a lot. If we had this transcribed, it'd probably be about 40,000 yeah, words. Gosh. But I think it's all really good questions that you guys are asking. Yeah, those are so good. And I hope those answers uh, help clarify some of those things. If not, definitely shoot us an email. We will be doing a podcast about videos and what to include. So if you have any questions about what to put into a video, anything related to great. that, where to host it, how many to have, how long they should be, yep. things, any of those things, send them in. And we'll get those into the uh, to the, the podcast as best we can. Yeah, uh, that's going to wrap this one up. You guys are great. I really appreciate the support online. It's it's pretty overwhelming to see that's how many people are tuning into this, and I I'm really happy about it. So yeah. keep the questions coming in. Check us out on iTunes. The one thing I'll just ask is if you go on iTunes or Stitcher, can you please leave a review? I know I know you guys are listening. I see how many. Take time out of your day. Yeah, just do that for me. Think of it as a late birthday present, and, yeah. and I'll really appreciate it. And I'll send you something in the email yeah. uh, to thank you. So yep. let me know that you did it. Send me an email of what you said in there, and I'll look it up. If yeah. you're on there, I'll send you a template for a contract you can use when you book your own shows outside the comedy club. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool, gang. Gavin, thanks for uh, putting up with me again, and uh, we'll see you at the next one. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. For information on upcoming classes, check out schooloflaughs.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a ranking on iTunes. Send any questions or comments to schooloflaughs at gmail.com. 
And until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.